I believe the Lord's given me a word for you today, and I'm actually really, really excited. Uh, in fact, I've entitled this, sem- this sermon today, Freedom Through Forgiveness. Amen. How many of you know that God's will for us, his plan for us, his desire for us is that we would be free? There is, there is uh, no bigger reason that Jesus came to die on the cross besides our forgiveness of our sins, besides our salvation. There's no bigger th- reason that he came than to just bring us freedom. In fact, uh, I want to start real quickly. I want to jump right in. In uh, Galatians 5 and verse 1, Paul's talking to the Galatians, and he says, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. When this verse sunk into my, my spirit one day, it changed my life, because I, I realized that Jesus came to set us free, but he didn't come to set us free so that he could say, ooh, I got you now. You guys owe me big time. After what I did for you, you owe me. I'm setting you free so that you guys will be indebted to me for the rest of your life. He didn't come to set us free uh, so that he could lord it over us. He didn't even come to set us free so that we would love him. He set us free because he loves us. And according to this verse, he set us free just for freedom's sake. Like we can, if someone says, why does Jesus set us free? He set me free just so I could be free. Because before Jesus came, we were all under a yoke of slavery. Every one of us, we were all in bondage. Another word for slavery there is bondage. Every one of us was in bondage. If you know the Old Testament, if you know the Old Covenant, you know that, that to get forgiveness of sins back in the old days, it was, it was the priest, the high priest had to go into the, the most holy place and make atonement for the sins of the people. And it only happened every so often. And you couldn't just come boldly to the throne of grace like we do today. So everybody was in bondage. And Jesus said, that's not good enough. I don't, that's not what I have for my people. I see that they are in slavery, they are in bondage. So I'm going to come and I'm going to set them free. And, you know, a lot of us don't really know what it's like to, to lose our physical freedoms or to be, you know, to be in bondage physically. Most of us in this room have not been incarcerated, probably. Uh, most of us have not come from a country where there's a, a very uh, totalitarian dictatorship type government. We live in the U.S. where we, we have a lot of freedoms. And uh, so we don't know what it's like to, to give away those kind of freedoms. But we do know what it's like to give away our emotional and our spiritual freedoms. A lot of us do, and some of us are living in that right now. Some of you are in bondage today to things in your life. You may not even realize it, but, but a lot of us struggle with bondages in our life. You know, you may be, uh, if I was to ask you how you're doing, some of you would say, you know, I just feel like I'm being tormented. Some of you would use that word. I hear that word sometimes from people, like they just feel like they're in torment all the time. Like they can't get peace in their life. They can't, their relationships are always being broken. They're, they're having troubles at work all the time. Their family is always in turmoil. Health-wise, physically, they're, they're struggling all the time with their health. Some of you would literally say you feel like you're being tormented. Or some of you are just purely miserable. And we need to be honest with ourselves in regards to that because it's important that we are honest so that we can deal with the things that we're dealing with in our lives. And, and so even though we haven't necessarily given away a lot of our physical freedoms, a lot of us know what it's like to be in a spiritual bondage. And the, the, the good news about being in that kind of a, of a slavery and a bondage is that you may be in a prison, in a spiritual or an emotional prison, but the good news is, is that you hold the key to getting out of that prison. Yeah. You know, someone said one time that, that uh, in a, a spiritual or emotional prison is like being in prison with the doors that are unlocked. You're free to leave whenever you want. You have the key to be able to get out of that prison, but it's important. You're the only one that can get yourself out of that. And I'm going to share with you today ways that, a way that I believe that we can get out of that, that prison in our lives. And, you know, C.S. Lewis, I wanted to start by saying 
what something C.S. Lewis said. He's, he's one of my heroes, just a wonderful man of God that he was. He says, everyone thinks that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have to forgive. And see, the thing about forgiveness is that apart from of not even being saved, part of being lost completely away from God, the biggest bondage that we can be in in our life is, a, is unforgiveness. No question about it. There are so many things in our life that are affected by us holding unforgiveness or resentment or bitterness in our life. And we all have to forgive constantly and all the time. And the word of God is very specific about forgiveness and what God says about forgiveness for us and what he expects of us as believers when it comes to the area of forgiving people in our lives. Because there's always going to be people we have to forgive. You could have a clean slate today and have forgiven everybody in your life and have no uh, harboring any unforgiveness towards anyone. By tomorrow, there'll probably be somebody else you'll have to forgive. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm from Ohio and I'm a big Ohio State Buckeyes fan. So I have a lot of forgiveness I have to give today to the coaching staff at Ohio State. Um, and I've had to forgive a few people that have already come up to me and made fun of me because Ohio State lost. And so I'm forgiving all of you too. Uh, in fact, this morning, kind of a funny story. Uh, I left the house this morning pretty early, a little after six, because I like to get here early if I'm preaching. I like to get some time alone with the Lord and, and look over my message and make sure I'm ready so that, uh, so that you guys get what you came, to, what you came for. And uh, I was kind of in a hurry. I don't even know why. It wasn't even, I wasn't even running late. I, I just kind of have a lead foot sometimes. And uh, I was coming out of my neighborhood, and I saw a car coming a good ways off, and I knew I could get out in front of him or ahead of him and go the other way with plenty of time, but I kind of rolled through the stop sign and uh, didn't really think much of it until I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw the guy turn around and his blue lights were flashing. And uh, I said, oh boy, this is great. How great is this? And I started thinking right away, okay, is my insurance paid up? Is my tag expired on my car? And I was like, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. So I pull over, you know, it's still dark outside. This guy's probably thinking I'm drunk or something, you know. And, uh, and I'm trying to determine in my mind, am I going to tell him what, really where I'm going? Because do I really want to represent New Hope that way? <laughs> and uh, one thing I knew before he even came up to my car, one of us was going to have to extend forgiveness this morning. No doubt about it. And so he comes up and he says, uh, do you know why I stopped you? I said, yeah, I kind of rolled through that stop sign. He kind of chuckled a little bit. He's like, yeah, you definitely rolled through it. And uh, he said, where are you going in such a hurry? I said, oh, I'm actually going to church. I said, I'm, I'm preaching today. <laughs> And he said, uh, what church are you part of? And I thought about saying another church, but I was like, no, I better, I better be honest. I said, uh, New Hope in, up there uh, off of I-20. He goes, oh, yeah. He said, uh, you know Jamie Flippo? I said, uh, yes, sir, I do. Does that help me? <laughs> he, said, uh, he said, well, how about you try stopping at stop signs? He gave me my license back, and I left. So uh, praise God. That's the first my wife heard that, too. So, yeah, that's right. Praise God for that. So I already received forgiveness this morning, and I'm pretty excited about that because I was, I was thinking, you know, even last night, I was like, you know, it's always good to have a personal story of forgiveness. And I was like, well, I guess I got one. So uh, I don't encourage you to follow in my example, though. Do not follow Christ as I followed Christ this morning, okay? Um, so I, I want to read a verse to you that I believe is, is uh, so important when it comes to understanding forgiveness for us because we cannot overstate the importance of forgiveness, church. You absolutely, I, it, it is, like I said, next to salvation, it's the most important thing you're gonna deal with in your life, no, bar none, okay? So we need to look at what Jesus said about forgiveness and what he expects of us. So in Matthew 6, okay, this is where we get what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew 6, verses 9 to 15. He's talking to his disciples and he's gonna tell them how to pray because they were asking him. 
And so in, in starting in verse nine, he says, this then is how I pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Now I'm gonna stop right there for a second. So far, this prayer is awesome. This is how I would want Jesus to tell me how to pray. He's telling me to start by worshiping him, saying, worshiped is your name. Great, I'm, all, I'm on board with that. Your kingdom come and your will be done. If you're a follower of Jesus, of course you want his kingdom. to. If, if heaven comes to earth, that's a good thing for all of us, amen? So we're on board with that. And then he says, give us today our daily bread. That's saying, you know, you can ask me for your needs. Ask me to, to supply the needs you have for every day. Of course we want that. We want him to provide for us and give us the things we need. And then forgive us our debts, or another word for that is to forgive us our sins. Yes, of course, please, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I'm on board. This is a great prayer. I can pray this all day, every day. And then it takes a turn and really goes downhill for you and me. It says, it says and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then the, the last part of that says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Of course, those are obviously things we want as well. But that, that part there where it says, as we have forgiven our debtors. What, we are, what Jesus is basically telling us there is that we are to pray to God to say, okay, God, please forgive me for my sins, but only if I forgive people that have sinned against me. That's what he's saying there. I don't know if it is, you can, I could recite this Lord's Prayer. We learned it, I learned it when I was this big and said it all growing up. And I said it a thousand times without even realizing what I was saying. We're basically telling God, don't forgive me if I don't forgive others. And that's a hard word. That's one of the, this is one of those lines we want to take a black Sharpie and just cross off just that as we forgive our debtors part. Because everything else is great. But we can't look past that part. In fact, Jesus thought it was so important that that, that part be reiterated and clarified that after he's done telling them how to pray, the very next line, he says in verse 14 and 15, he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness is not optional for us as believers. It's not optional, church. And I'm not standing up here telling you that, you know, what has happened to you is insignificant because it's not. Uh, in a church this size, in a room this size, if, if statistics are right, there, is, there are women in this room that have been raped there are men and women in this room that have been sexually molested. You've, people have been cheated on by their spouse. They've had parents abusing them. There's all kinds of stuff that has happened that is atrocious, horrific, and no one would ever belittle what has happened to you. We're not talking about whether or not you deserve to have been hurt or upset or if, if real pain was done to you because there's a good chance if you've, if you've been alive for any amount of time, you've, had, you've understand real pain. Because as long as we're in relationships with people, people are going to hurt us. There is a fleshly part of who we are that what's, wants what we want. And sometimes we will go through people to get what we want, right? And so what the, the Bible does, this verse does not belittle what happened to you. It doesn't belittle anything that you may have gone through. What the Bible does is instead of belittling what happened to you, it magnifies what Jesus did and empowers you to be able to be free from unforgiveness in your life. That's what the Bible does. It's not saying what happened to you isn't legit, but what it's saying is you could still trust him and you could still forgive because of what he did for you. And I'm gonna explain that a little, bit, a little bit more here in a minute. And you see, the thing is for us, we would, this is a spiritual principle that we don't talk about a whole lot because it doesn't really match up with how we see God. We wanna see God as this loving, like, you know, we quote the verses, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that's true. And, and his love for us, his grace for us is, is, 
is enormous. We can't even count it. It's immeasurable. His forgiveness for us. He separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. We got all those scriptures down. We love them because it makes us feel good. But this verse where it says, if you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive you. That doesn't make sense to us because it, it just seems like, how can God not forgive me if I didn't forgive my, my father for molesting me? My father didn't molest me. I'm not saying that. But whatever you're going through, if there's something horrific that's happened to you, and to say, how, how can he not forgive me? Look what happened to me. That's not, that's not the God I serve. He wouldn't do that to me. But what he's saying is because of what he did for us, we don't have the right to not forgive others because of what he did. And see, the, the, we, don't, we don't argue with the physical laws that we know are in place, the physics of this world. You know, there's a law of physics that says two objects cannot occupy the same place at the same time. So basically, there's a wall back here. If I wanted to be in the place where that wall is, if I run into that wall as hard as I can, one of us is going to give. Chances are it's going to be me. Now, I do have a big hard head, and if I hit it just right, I might be able to bust through the drywall, but most likely it's going to be me. We can't occupy that same place at the same time. We know that. We know the law of gravity, that if I step off this stage, I'm going to go down to the carpet here. There's no way I'm just going to say, you know what, I don't buy into that law, I'm just going to hover. That would be cool if I could, but we can't. And it's ludicrous to argue with that, but we'll argue the spiritual principles because we don't like them. And we can't, it's, it's time that we stop arguing with them and we understand them. It's, that's why it's so important that we know the word of God. If we know the word of God, we understand the principles. It's not just that Jesus is saying, listen, I forgave you, so you got to forgive or else. That's not what he's doing. It, it can look like that when you read this. But as you dig into the scriptures more, you realize that we have to first understand what we've been forgiven for. If we understand what we've been forgiven for, there's nothing in this world that we won't be able to forgive. And see, we, we too often look, look lightly on our own sin. We read the gospels and we see that Jesus went to the cross. We, we've seen the passion of the Christ and we've, you know, we do these things and we, we've seen what he's done, but it's hard for us to make that connection that, you know what, it was my sin that put him on the cross. It was my transgressions. And you can say, well, I wasn't even alive when Jesus died. It has nothing to do with when you were alive. What it had to do with is he took the sin of the world. Everyone in this room is part of the world. So that means he took your sin and nailed it to the cross with himself. So that means your sin is what put him on that cross. Whether you want to look at it that way or not, that is the fact. And you had a debt that could not be paid apart from Jesus forgiving that debt. And for all that he did for us, it is not okay for us to not forgive after what he did. God will not allow us to make a mockery of what Jesus did for us. He can't allow it. And he won't allow it because he, he loves Jesus just as much as he loves us, right? So when he, if he gave his son to do that, because you've heard Pastor Bowen say this, if there was any other way that we could have been saved, God would have done it. What kind of sadistic God would we be serving that would send his son to the cross if there was another way for us to be saved? There's no other way. So for him to have done that means it was the only way and that he will not allow us to mock or belittle what he did for us. So what I want to do quickly is I want to answer the who, the why, and the how. If, you, if you've heard me speak before, I like to answer the questions because when we, we talk about what we need to do, it's always good to ask why and how and who and answer those questions. So I want to start with the who, okay? Who do I forgive? Well, according to that verse in Matthew, we forgive our debtors, those that have sinned against us. That's others. That's basically everyone. There is no one that is, that is uh, beyond your forgiveness, or that does not, that you're not required to forgive. Like I said before, some, you may have had some horrible things happen to you. And by not forgiving them, what you're doing is you're putting yourself in that prison. 
You know, we think sometimes, oh, that person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. I'm not going to give it to him. You're not harming that person by not forgiving them. You're harming yourself. You've heard people say, you know, to, to harbor unforgiveness is like pouring gas on yourself and lighting yourself on fire and hope, watch, wanting the other person to burn. It doesn't work that way. When we hold in unforgiveness, all we're doing is putting ourselves in a prison. All we're doing is hurting ourselves. So God, asks, so God tells us to forgive everybody, not so that, um, so that we can just forgive for forgiveness sake, but he wants us to forgive because that's what really sets us free. Forgiveness sets us free. So no matter what somebody has done to you, if you can forgive them, that's actually setting you free. You're not even necessarily doing it for them. You're doing it to set yourself free because that's what God wants for us. So we, we are forgiving everybody that's ever done anything to us. And then the, only, the other person that you need to forgive is yourself. For some of you, you haven't necessarily had someone do something to you as much as you've actually done stuff and you just can't forgive yourself and you live in shame and guilt. And you may say to me, you don't know what I've done. And you're right, I don't know what you've done. Some people in here may have done some things that are pretty horrible. But the thing is, God forgives us when we John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us, to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful and just. He does it quickly. It's immediate. So if God forgives us of all of our sins, why shouldn't we forgive ourselves of our sins? And see, there's part of us, uh, depending on your personality type, you know, they say most people, you're either homicidal or suicidal. And if you're suicidal, you're that person that's, if you do something wrong, you're just going to beat yourself up forever. And beating ourselves up is a way of making atonement for what we've done. We feel like, oh, I can't let myself get away with that because if I just forgive myself and receive God's forgiveness, that I'll end up doing it again. So I have to beat myself up or we have to, or we just suck it up, you know? And nothing could be further from what God wants you to do. God does not feel better when you beat yourself up. It doesn't improve your relationship with the Lord. It doesn't improve your relationship with others. There's no good that comes out of beating yourself up. And I know sometimes you, you think, well, you know, it's just, it's hard to just let stuff go. When I know I messed up so badly, it's hard to just let it go. I feel like I have to make atonement. Well, let me tell you, atonement's already been made for you. Yeah. It's been done. It was done 2,000 years ago. And if, if his blood was enough to cover your sins that you commit against others, it's, it's enough to cover the sins you commit against yourself. And, you know, some of us, some people actually come to church because they can't forgive themselves. There are, there are people here today that are here at church because they are ashamed or are living with guilt of things that they've done. And I want to tell you today that if that's you, if you're here for that reason, I want to encourage you that that's not a good reason to come to church. We want you here. We want, we want everybody here. We want this place packed to the rafters. But we don't want you here because of guilt or because you're atoning for something because that's not God's heart for you. Of course, we want you at church. It's, it's wonderful to be together as a body and to worship together and to worship corporately and to encourage each other. That's, that's a great thing. But, it, but too many people come to church because they feel like it makes them feel better about themselves. Like, yeah, I did this, and I, but you've never really received forgiveness for it. So what you do is kind of pay penance by coming to church. And, you know, you, you come to church, you do your thing, you get out in the parking lot and you feel good about yourself. Ah, I went to church today. I feel good. You should never feel guilty for not coming to church just because you didn't come to church. And I know that's, that doesn't, that's not something you're gonna hear a lot of preachers say, but I believe with all my heart, you, we want you to be here because you wanna be here, because you wanna be with the body. There's freedom in this place. It's not here to pay for your guilt. Your guilt's been paid for already. And shame, shame and guilt are never, ever from God, never. There's never a time that God says, I want you to be ashamed of yourself, never. God convicts, he doesn't bring shame. 
when God convicts, it's for one reason. It's to bring reconciliation back to him. It's to, it's to, it's to cause you to repent of what you've done and to reconcile yourself back to God. That's the only reason he, he convicts us. He never brings shame and guilt on us to cause us to constantly be beating ourselves up. So basically the who is we forgive everybody, okay? Every single person. That's easy to remember, right? You don't even have to write that down. Okay, then the next thing is why. Why do we forgive? Some of you have been hurt really badly and your, the resentment and bitterness in your life has almost become kind of a sadistic comfort zone for you. And for those of you that have never experienced that, you, it, it sounds almost weird to you to think how bitterness could be a comfort zone where like you don't want to let it go because it's all you know. And it's kind of become something that you become so accustomed to that you just hold on to it and you want to keep it forever. Uh, the best analogy I can give, and I've given this before, I don't think I've ever done it up here, but uh, if you've ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, um, everybody in this room loves Jesus, so I'm sure you haven't seen the unedited version, right? You waited until it came out on TNT. And uh, it, it's actually a really good movie. Um, and it's, if you haven't seen it, it's, about, it's basically a story of a bunch of guys that are in prison and some of the, their, their life together. And there's one guy in particular, his name is Brooks, and he was incarcerated for decades, 30, 40 years, something like that, 50 years. And when he got into his, his latter years, they finally paroled him because he'd just gotten so old. And he didn't want to leave. And, uh, but they forced him to because they said, you're paroled, you got to go. Well, to make a long story short, he ends up in a halfway house and working. And, and within a few days, he ends up hanging himself, killing himself. And for, for those of us, you know, watching this movie, we're thinking, how in the world could a guy that finally got set free from prison, how could he, how could he feel so bad and want to go back? Like, how, how could he not enjoy his freedom? And what the one guy says in the movie, the, the commentary about it is that he became so institutionalized that he didn't know how to receive freedom. And it's actually, from what I've read and, and researched, it's actually very common for people that have been in maximum security prisons for years and years and years to not even want to get out because they don't know how to live on the outside. They don't know how to live in freedom. They don't know how to embrace that. All they've ever known is incarceration and somebody telling them what to do, when they can go to the bathroom, when they can eat, when they can do everything. And for some of us, when we live in unforgiveness for so long, it becomes that way for us. We don't even know how to live in freedom because it's so foreign to us, we wouldn't even know what to do with it. We'd feel, we'd feel weird. We'd get like bugs crawling up our arms. Like I just, you almost want that, that bitterness. You, you kind of hang on to it. You hang on to that hate and that anger and that resentment because it's all you know. But that is so not God's heart for you. His heart is that you would be free from all of that. And he gives us the formula to do it. Uh, in, in Romans 5, verse 8, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait for us to apologize. He didn't wait for us to get ourselves right. He came and died for us while we were still sinners. And we, so we know that forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. The whole gospel, the foundation that it's built on, is on forgiveness. And that's what he calls us to do. That's why we are required. That's why he tells us to forgive. Um, one other little saying that I heard somebody say one time regarding forgiveness is that forgiven people forgive. If you are forgiven, you forgive. And it's hard to forgive if you've never received forgiveness because you don't know what it's like. Basically, God connects his forgiveness with our forgiveness. If he's gonna forgive us, he expects us to forgive as well. That is the why, like we don't have a choice. So I wanna I want jump right into to the verse that will, that will really help explain why, okay? Um, it is, it's another principle of, of the, the Christian life that we don't really, it's kind of hard to hear, but 
Basically, the Lord withholds his protection from us when we don't forgive. He holds his, he withholds his protection. Now that's, an, it's, again, that's something that's like, wait a minute, that, is, that can't be God. He can't withhold protection or he can't, he can't do things like that for me, to me just because I don't forgive. Because so many people live with unforgiveness. Why would God do that? Well, let, let's read a verse in Matthew 18, okay? This is a, this is a, a parable that Jesus talked about. He was, he was with his disciples. And I'm gonna start in verse 21. It says, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. Now, let me stop right there. This is actually kind of important too. Peter was actually really stepping out on a limb saying, hey, should I forgive seven times? And Jesus was like, no, you need to forgive 70 times seven or 77, depending on the translation. What, basically, what Jesus is basically saying, like you need to forgive indefinitely, forever. There's no end to your forgiveness for others. And Peter saying seven times was actually really stepping out because at that time in the Jewish culture, you were required to forgive once, you were encouraged to forgive twice. The third time it was totally up to you. And after that, they didn't care at all. You didn't have to forgive. So three times was kind of the max. And, and Peter came and said, I'm really gonna step out. I'm gonna say seven. And Jesus was like, no, that's not even close. Okay, so then he says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is somewhere in the ballpark, a half a billion dollars. We don't know exactly, but it's a lot of money. It's an insurmountable debt. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you. Which that's a joke because there's no way he could have ever repaid this debt. He was just begging for mercy. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is a couple, a couple thousand dollars in today. It's, it's a legitimate, I mean, it's a significant debt, but nothing that's insurmountable. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his servant, his fellow servant fell down at the feet at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Basically the same thing the servant did to the master. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he'd called him, said to him, you wicked servant. Now, you know, this servant didn't do anything against the law. He didn't even do anything unethical. He had every right to have this guy thrown in prison for not repaying the debt that was owed to him. But he called him a wicked servant. He said, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And this is the line that really hits it home for all of us. He says, so my heavenly father also will do to each of you if you from your heart do not forgive your brother his trespasses. That is a very sobering verse to read. Basically, the, the first servant was forgiven this gigantic $100 million debt that he could never repay. And he was so excited, so grateful for the grace that he was extended by the, by the master that he went and found one of his fellow servants and threw him and had him thrown in jail because he owed him a few bucks. And, and the master, which is God, sees this and says, okay, this is, this is absolutely unacceptable. And he takes him and he throws him in prison to be tortured 
or tormented until he would pay back all that was due. Now, let me make this clear in this. The, the master did not rescind the, the cancellation of the debt. He couldn't do that. The 500 million, whatever that was, the 10,000 talents, that was totally forgiven. That was gone. He can't go back and say, okay, I unforgive that debt. That is not what this person owed. When it says he threw him, gave him over to the tormentors to, until he would repay back everything that was owed, he's actually talking about what he was owing this other guy, which was forgiveness. So this guy was thrown into prison and what he owed was forgiveness. Now, we don't know whether or not he figured that out. We don't really know. This is a parable. So, but the principle of it stands is that God withholds. He will pull back from us. He allows the tormentors to have their way with us when we harbor unforgiveness until we pay what is owed, which is forgiveness. And he said that last verse, church, it says, so my heavenly father will also do to you if you don't from your heart forgive those who have sinned against you. That's pretty sobering to me. That tells me the heart of God is that it is so important that we forgive. It is so vital, so crucial that we forgive that God cannot turn a blind eye to it. He will not turn a blind eye to it. And he will actually pull back from you and allow the tormentors to do things in your life. Some of you are dealing with stuff in your life today that you're dealing with because you will not forgive stuff that's happened to you in your past. It is a fact that is exactly what the word of God says. But the wonderful truth of it is all you owe is forgiveness. That's all you owe. If you will forgive, those things will be removed from you. God comes back in. He blesses you. He takes care of you. His protection is on you. But it's something that you are required to forgive. And he cannot and he will not allow you to make a mockery of Jesus' sacrifice to you. I mean, it is so simple. It is so obvious. And for some of you today, you're going to get set free from things you've been dealing with for decades because you didn't know that it was because you were harboring unforgiveness. None of us have any right in here to have any unforgiveness against another human being in all the world. Nobody. You do not have any right to harbor unforgiveness against ISIS, Al-Qaeda, any politician you don't like that disagrees with you, anybody that's aborted babies. You have no right to harbor any unforgiveness against any of them. No right. Because what you did to Jesus was 10 gazillion times worse than what anybody on this earth has done to you or anybody else. And that is, a, that is a wonderful word. And it's a hard word because for us, it's, it's, it's hard for us to forgive sometimes because we do get so caught up in me and what happened to me and how it's affected me. But what Jesus is saying, if you will extend forgiveness, if you will just extend forgiveness based on the debt that I canceled for you, if you will cancel this debt, you will see blessings in your life. You will see my presence in your life in ways that you've never experienced it before. You will walk in freedom. That verse in Galatians 5 where it says it was for freedom that he set us free. You will really experience what that's like. Some of you don't even know you're in a prison until you can walk out of it. And you realize, oh my gosh, I'm free. And there is nothing like walking in freedom. Nothing like being in freedom and knowing the freedom that Christ has given us. He, it was just for freedom's sake that he come to set us free. And that's an exciting thing for us. And we all have the key to do that today. So let me real quickly go through how we forgive, okay? And I'm going to go through this quick because I want to pray with you guys today. First of all, Jesus showed us the blueprint of how to forgive. And it's, it, it's pretty simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. First of all, he forgave completely, so we forgive completely. The Bible says in Psalm 103, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. East and west, you're over here, your transgressions are over here. It's so far gone, it's infinite. There's no way to even recollect them. There's no way to even bring them back because he's separated that far. And that's what he calls us to do, to forgive completely. It's a conscious choice. 
church, forgiveness is not necessarily an emotional thing. Some of you might say, I wanna forgive, but I don't know how. I don't know how to let it go. That's okay. Like, unforgiveness is not necessarily having that emotional freedom right away. Sometimes that takes time depending on what's happened to you. But forgiveness is a choice that we make. It's when we say, I will not harbor unforgiveness. I choose to forgive. I choose to release this person. And you may have to do it once an hour for the next year. God may supernaturally release you of it immediately. You may say a prayer and you may mean it from your heart and God delivers you and you never deal with it again. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that forgiveness is a choice that we make to say, I will not hold this against them. I have forgiven it. And when the enemy brings it back to you or you see that person and it comes back to you and you could say, nope, I'm not gonna allow those feelings to rise up. I forgive and it's gone, completely gone. We have to forgive completely. Number two is repeatedly. I, I mentioned in... Uh, in, in Matthew 18, about Peter going to Jesus and saying, how many times do I have to forgive him? Seven times? Jesus says, nope, you got to do it infinite times. So you may forgive somebody today, and if it's somebody that's in your family or somebody that you have constant contact with, if it's your boss or a coworker, you may forgive him today, you may have to forgive him again tomorrow. And then you may have to forgive him again in a couple more weeks. But w- that there's no end to our forgiveness. You can't say, well, I forgave them a hundred times, I'm done forgiving them. Nope. Jesus says, Infinite times, we continually forgive. We make a lifestyle of forgiveness in our life. And the third is freely. We freely forgive people. We don't wait till they apologize. We don't wait till we feel like they've earned it. Grace is something that is given to us and we are to give it to other people. We are to gracefully, to freely give forgiveness in grace, even though people don't deserve it. And that's the thing, like we... uh, we can't just wait till people, till we feel like they deserve it because some people don't deserve it. They really don't. I mean, I mentioned ISIS, you know, hey, they don't deserve our forgiveness. What they're doing around the world is brutal. They don't deserve it, but it doesn't matter. We still, we take the high road. We do what Jesus would do. When Jesus was on the cross, he's on the cross. First thing he says on the cross, Lord, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was in the middle of being crucified by these people and he forgave them from the cross. So we don't wait for people to apologize. We don't wait for the right moment because every moment is the right moment. And frankly, we as a church, as Christians, we have to stop allowing the world to determine how we will respond to hurt. We have to stop allowing the, we can't, the world will tell you, nope, if that person hurt you, you stick it to them. You know, if that person hurt you, you just, uh, you don't have to forgive them. You just ignore them, you know, just stay away from them or, or, you know, the, the best revenge is to live a good life. That's not revenge. We wanna, we wanna forgive people from the heart, you know? Don't let the world determine how you're gonna respond when people hurt you. You know, the world would, would, would tell you to hang out on Facebook and, and watch these people, kind of stalk them and try to watch, look for bad things that happen in their life, you know? But that's not what God would want for us. God wants us to completely release them and to be quick and, and swift to forgive when people have sinned against us, amen? And uh, lastly, we don't ignore it, we release it. There's a difference between ignoring and releasing it. And I'm gonna ask the, the, the praise team to come as I close. There's a, there's a big difference between ignoring the things that have happened to you and releasing them, okay? Because sometimes it's easier for us to just say, ah, I'm just gonna ignore it, I'm not gonna worry about it. But then you see that person out in public somewhere or you still follow them on Facebook and when their, when their stuff comes up on your feed, something really cool happened to them, you kind of like, ooh, you didn't really want that, night, that good thing to happen to them? Huh? Anybody else in here deal with that? I mean, come on, let's just be honest. You know, we, we all have flesh 
And if you follow, if there's people in your social media that have hurt you and uh, you haven't unfollowed them and you see something good happen to them, it's easy to kind of just, you don't want anything bad to happen to them. You just don't want anything really good to happen to them, right? (laughs) But that's what happens if we just try to ignore it. It doesn't go away, especially in this social you know, media age, nothing's ever going to go. That person's always going to be around somewhere. You'll run into him at Target or, you know, the Lord will do that too. If you try to ignore a situation, he'll make you run into him once a week until you, until you finally deal with it. Amen. So that's why you're running into people at Target. So it's important that we don't ignore it. We release it. We make a conscious decision to release it and to say, I do not hold this person for what they've done to me. I don't, I don't hold it against them. I'm choosing to release it and allow them to, to be free of it. And you know, most of us don't have really huge hurts. That, you know, I mentioned some of the major things that have happened to some people. A lot of us have, would say we've had like these really devastating things happen to us, but there's always, there's even those, there's a lot of those little things, the things that we would try to ignore. But you know, it's a very dangerous thing to just try to ignore hurts in our life because the Bible doesn't distinguish these verses I've shared. It doesn't say, well, you know, if it was a little thing, it's okay to go ahead and not forgive them and just ignore it. It's, it doesn't say that at all. It's important that even the small things, that we make sure that we are aggressively forgiving in our life, that we're aggressively going after those things and saying, I will not let anything stand between me and the presence of God in my life. If, anybody, if you want the presence of God in your life, then this should be something that we, the reason it's in the Lord's prayer and Jesus told us to pray this way is because a lot of people do pray that prayer every day. That's a great prayer to pray every day. It talks about worship, the Lord supplying your needs, forgiveness, but it also talks about you forgiving others. It's something we should be doing every day, saying, Lord, please don't let a root of bitterness or unforgiveness root into my life. I don't want any of that in my life because I don't want anything to stand between me and your blessing, me and your presence, me and your looking on my life with favor. Amen? And so let's make sure we don't do that. Let's make sure we don't ignore, but that we actively release. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with me if you would please today as we close. so passionate about forgiveness because I've I've seen the effects it's had in people's lives. I've seen the effects it's had in my own life. You know, I had, uh, I haven't had any, what I would say, catastrophic things happen in my life that I've had to forgive, but you know, I've had, I've had my share of things. I've had to forgive my dad for some of the stuff that have, that gone, that went on during my childhood. Again, nothing major, but just things that, that have kind of held me down. And I remember when, when this verse in, in Matthew 18 when it became real to me and I realized the implications of it, I called my dad one day and uh, I just told him, I said, I said, dad, I just want you to know that with me, you have a clean slate. I will never bring up anything ever again that you've ever done to me that, that has hurt me, ever. And I said, I completely forgive you and I want you to know we're good. And my dad is a tough guy. He doesn't show emotion. He sobbed like a baby on the phone because I released him. And I can tell you, I felt, I know exactly where I was. I was driving down the road. I was right by Daniel Village, between Daniel Village and Daniel Field. And I remember it, I'll never forget it because I remember I felt like the weight of the world was lifted off of me. And I didn't even realize that I was really holding anything against him. I just figured, I was just like, you know, kind of had my guard up a little bit, but I didn't realize I had a lot of unforgiveness. When I let that go, it was like the world changed. And it's so important that we are aggressively coming and pursuing that forgiveness in our life. And I want to say today too that, you know, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. 
It really doesn't. Like we want to be reconciled. The Bible says that as, as much as it depends on you to do everything you can to live at peace with others, but the Bible does say as much as it depends on you. When reconciliation requires both parties to reconcile. So sometimes reconciliation is not a possibility. It's just not. But that doesn't mean you can you don't have to forgive. You can still forgive if the relationship's broken. Sometimes it's just broken beyond repair because of the other person not being willing to reconcile. So we can't always reconcile, but we can always, always forgive. And it's so important. And sure, I, nobody in this place today should have to leave here today with any, any unforgiveness in their heart. Nobody. There's, there's, all you're doing is, is holding yourself in a prison that's got an unlocked door that you can walk out anytime you're ready. And it's worth it. It is so worth it, church. It may be hard for some of you, depending on what you've gone through. It may be difficult. You may not even really know how to take those steps, but it's worth it to step out there and do it. So what I'm gonna do is I wanna pray for those of you that would, like to, that would like to be prayed for. If you have someone in your life or something in your life, and maybe it's yourself that you need to forgive, I'd like for you to come up here to the center and I'd like to pray for you. I'm gonna kind of walk through uh, praying with you over this situation. If, if you were here a couple years ago, Bill Hebels was here. He, he did a, uh, uh, he's done a, a whole teaching on forgiveness called Forgiving Forward. And he has protocols of forgiveness that you can go through to, to walk through forgiving someone. And I'm just gonna walk through those with you today if you come to the center here. So the altar's open, come on up. Uh, the prayer leaders are gonna come up and uh, be on the sides here. If you want somebody to specifically pray with you for a situation, whether it's forgiveness or whether it's, uh, anything. If you have any kind of need, they'll be happy to pray with you too. So if the prayer leaders would come too, and you can come to them and they'll, they'll pray with you as well. But if you want to, if you want to walk through prayer uh, for someone or something specifically in the area of forgiveness, if you would, please come to the center here and I'll pray for you. So come on up. The altar's open.